Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Good morning. Are you well? A friend of mine not far from here um, turned up in the pulpit and he apologized to everyone. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I was thinking about my sermon and I've cut my face shaving. So after the service, there's a wee note in the offering bag saying, next time, think about your face and cut the sermon. <laughs> so I have, I have cut the sermon. I can guarantee it will not be more than two hours. Isn't that good news? Good news. So what's, uh, what's uh, Pastor Wayne been talking about the last two weeks, last few weeks? Love. Love. This thing work? Yeah, we're in this series called Live to Love. Claire launched it. Where's Wayne's followed it up? With every series, I go back to the old um, Nicky Gumbel stuff. What does it say? What does it mean? And then the $64,000 question. How do I do it? How do I do it? And Wayne and Claire set us up for the first two questions. So I want to deal with the third one today. How do we do it? And as I've been looking into this... Did you know in the Bible, there's a way of love? Did you know that? 1 Corinthians 14, 1, if you want to check me out, says, follow the way of love. 2 John 1, 6 says, walk in love. Romans 14, 15 encourages us to walk in love. But I think Ephesians spells it out, and particularly the end of chapter 4, the beginning of Chapter 5 in Ephesians says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgive one another, just as Christ God forgave you. In Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Walk in the way of love. Imitate Jesus. And the way of love just links with doing things in the way that Jesus did, doesn't it? It's loving like he did. And I guess you could tie it in with all sorts of other scriptures. Philippians 2 will come to some people's mind, you know. Christ Jesus just humbled himself and became a man. And our attitude should be the same as his, to be the servant, etc., etc. So, question then is, what does this love look like? And the best place to go, obviously, go back to the Gospels, go back, see... What did Jesus do? And as I've been looking at this, I've seen all sorts of interactions with people. But one thing stood out to me as I, as I looked at this. It was the way he loved people. He loved people. And especially those you might call on the margin, those who were ignored, those who were treated as sort of invisible, whether, well, for all, all sorts of reasons. Maybe they weren't regarded as significant. You'll, you, you'll know the story of the widow's mite. Nobody else looked at her. Jesus looked at her. There's other people in the Bible that folk didn't want to be seen with. Tax collector Zacchaeus. Remember his story? People just didn't want to have anything to do with him. You, you, you couldn't be seen with people like that. There was people hurting on the inside. You don't even know. You don't notice. There's people who can have um, emotional pain. You can have a sort of social outcast like the leper. Not our type. The woman at the well was not our type of person. Or there's other people you just don't want to get involved with. 
the gadarene demoniac, for example. And so it goes on. Why is this important? Because I want to say to you this morning something really, really serious. If we are really going to live to love, then we need to love like Jesus did. We need to. And don't think it's just out there. Some of us were shocked on Tuesday at Intercessors when somebody shared how lonely they feel after a service here. It's like people come up to them and look right through them and go to somebody else. It's like they don't exist. It's like they're invisible. And if they want to chat to anybody, they've got to go and instigate it. People don't come and chat to them. Friends, that shouldn't happen. I know sometimes you've got to catch somebody before they leave, and if you're a leader especially, you're trying to catch different people. But, you know, let's be aware of others. Let's not stick to our own cliques. Let's just think like Jesus. Because it's interesting to see what he did. I've seen a little pattern as I've just studied the scriptures this week. Jesus was always aware. He was alert. He was looking. We so often go along, we just don't notice things. We just don't see anything. We're so focused on what we're doing. Secondly, he noticed. He noticed people. Thirdly, he stopped and made time. How often are we so busy? I've got to go and do this. I've got to go and I've got to see so-and-so. I've just got to catch this. I'm going to sign up for that. And by the way, do sign up for music night. We really need to know how many are coming. Otherwise, at the moment, we're putting five chairs out. So if you're coming, please get your name down. So at least you don't have to pay now. We're not, it's not even, there's not even tickets. It's a donation. But just sign up. So do that. Why did I mention that? I have no idea. Yeah, there's something you've got to do. We've got to stop and make time. And then Jesus looked at people in the aisle. There's nothing worse than talking to somebody and they've got their eye on somebody else, trying to get rid of you and get on to the person they really want to talk to. And Jesus was brilliant at that. I'm going to just illustrate that with a couple of examples. That's what he did. And then he acted. So, my first, if you've got your Bibles, Mark chapter 2, and the story of the calling of Levi. We call him Matthew. His Jewish name was Levi. And uh, I won't read the whole scripture. You can look at it yourself. But the point there is, Jesus is walking along He's teaching as rabbis did in those times. They used to teach as they walked along. But in the middle of this teaching, in the middle of all the crowds, he sees somebody. Through the crowds, he sees somebody. He notices Matthew despite the crowds. Something just caught his attention. Now, Matthew's somebody that you just wouldn't want to be seen with. You know, there's, there's, sometimes you, um, I was talking to somebody this morning, that sometimes you, uh, you, you might have a coffee with somebody and you think, gosh, I hope so-and-so doesn't see me with this person. I don't know what they're going to think of me. But Matthew is someone you don't want to be seen with. He's a tax collector for Herod, for the Romans. This guy's a traitor, despised, outcast. Why on earth would you want to mix with him? You could be associated with him. And they were regarded as despised, they were regarded as sinners, regarded as untouchable. Despite all that, Jesus chose to stop. He chose to make time to speak, because that's the way of love. Yeah. So Matthew answers Jesus' call. He invites, he invites Jesus to a meal, and Jesus comes. And that's the way of love again. Because as you read through that, you see 
There's all sorts of undesirable people there, sinners, tax collectors, etc. And Jesus knew if he invited, if he accepted this invitation, he'd be in trouble with the religious people. See, religion doesn't like love. Relationship likes love. Religion doesn't like it because it, it doesn't fit into rules. Right? Some of you looked at me oddly there, but just think it through. Jesus responds in the way of love. Even when they criticize him, he's firm. He's firm with them. He says, look, healthy people don't need a physician, sick ones do. What he's saying is, people who admit they need help, I'll be there. I'll be there. People that don't want help, okay. So Jesus is there. And again, that's the way of love. Jesus is winning hearts by loving people. Question for you. If you were Matthew, how would you have felt after that interchange? Do you think Matthew liked the way of love? I want to suggest to you he actually loved it. Suddenly, somebody honored him. Suddenly, somebody accepted him. Suddenly, somebody treated him as a person. Jesus gave him significance. And of course, now he's with Jesus. He belongs. And because Jesus has accepted him, the others have to accept him too. So he's accepted. So see there, you've got all the basic needs of mankind. Significance, acceptance, belonging. Every single one of us needs these three things. And there it is, encapsulated, just in that wee story. I think Matthew loved the way of life, love. I think it was great for him. And he was transformed in one day. Here's another wee story for you. This is the story of a woman who was socially isolated. Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. The crowds continued to press in on him. And a woman was there who had been suffering from chronic bleeding for 12 years. She spent all she had on doctors. Nobody could heal her. She came up behind Jesus. She touched the tassel of his garment. And her bleeding stopped at once. So Jesus said, who touched me? And everyone was denying it. Peter and those with him said, Master, the crowds are surrounding you. They're pressing in on you. But still Jesus said, somebody touched me because I know power's gone out from me. So when the woman saw she couldn't hide, she came forward trembling and bowing down in front of Jesus. She explained in the presence of all the people why she'd touched Jesus and how she'd been instantly healed. And then Jesus said to her, Jesus told her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now I know it's New Testament. The Hebrew word is shalom, but the, um, the word used there, the Greek word, is actually very similar. It's to do with well-being, wholeness, soundness, goodness. It's more than just peace. Yeah. So she was actually restored. So this woman had been socially isolated, ceremonially unclean because of the bleeding discharge. She wasn't allowed to mix with other people. She couldn't go out, really. She was isolated. But Jesus, again, is alert. Despite the crowds, he twigged something. He noticed something had happened. He stopped. He made time for her. See the pattern again? That's the way of love. When she eventually owns up and said she's the one who touched him, he makes her speak out in front of all the people. How mean is that? What's well, not mean? He had purpose. Firstly, he's saying, listen, love, 
You're not allowed to touch anybody, but you can touch me. It's okay. That's okay. And then he says, um, you're healed. So publicly, she's healed, and everybody saw it. So for her, these years of avoiding the crowds, these years of keeping in the background, these years of not being noticed, these years are now over. She's free. She's restored physically, emotionally, because she's accepted. She's, she's restored spiritually and because she's publicly commended for her faith. Wow. How do you think she feels if you were that woman? Do you think she likes the way of love? Come on, people are hungry for this. People all over the world would just love this. She'd have relief, she'd have joy, she's healed at last, she's socially acceptable now, she's not an outcast anymore, she's blessed, she's given significance. That's the way of love. That's the way of love. So I could, I could give you story after story from the Bible to illustrate this, but you're very smart people, you've got it, you know what I'm talking about. So the question is, how do we apply it? Because it's not an issue of choice. We need to apply this. It's not a suggestion in the Bible. It's a command. Follow the way of love. Do it. And um, I just love... Do you, remember, um, do you remember Chariots of Fire? Anyone remember the movie? Chariots of Fire, Eric Liddell. Scotsman, of course, is the hero. Um, the film, I know where they filmed it in Edinburgh, actually. Parts of it. But um, Eric Liddell um, was a Christian and he, he wouldn't run on a Sunday, but eventually got gold medal at the Olympics and all that stuff. And he was the most ungainly runner. But he knew God had given him a gift and he used it. Then he went on and became a missionary. And as he's a missionary, he actually wrote several books. He eventually was martyred in China. But that's another story. But here's what he said. Here's what he said. We are all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Christ or we repel them from Christ. We bring them nearer or we repel them. So what are you? Are you a bringer or are you a repeller? And I think the truth is a lot of us might vary between the two at different times because we have a huge privilege being children of God we also have a great responsibility and occasionally we don't um, live up to it. Even me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, we've got this, this responsibility but I want to say to you, this, following the way of love is actually good for you. It blesses you. It benefits you. It gives you peace, it gives you security, it gives you joy, it gives you confidence. If you doubt that at all, read, read um, John's first letter, chapters 3 and 4. Just get, get a modern version, read it, and you'll just see, it'll bring you alive. Just the blessings that flow from walking in love. In fact, it actually says there, this is my summary of it, but our love for others is what validates or confirms our confidence in the Lord. Because you know, there's a bit that talks about that on the last day you'll have confidence to stand before God because you're going to be like him. How are you going to be like Jesus? Because you do what he does. 
My mother used to say, you get like the folk you live with. And it's true. But if you live with Jesus every day, you will get like him. One of you has to change, and it's not going to be him. Yeah? So there we are. So the way of love. So in terms of application, the first step is really simple. Do what you're taught to do as a kid, or you should have been taught to do as a kid, to watch what you say nowadays. But just, what do you teach children? Don't hurt other people. Don't hit them. Don't take things that aren't yours. Put that back where you found it. If somebody needs help, give them a hand. Look, they're struggling. Share your toys. Share with others. Give somebody a hug. We, do we, not, we teach our kids all these things, don't we? But somehow, as we get older, we kind of leave some of that behind. That's basic. But for Jesus' way of love, we've got to go much further than that. That's just, found, that's just basic stuff. For Jesus' way of love, you've got to listen. You've got to look. You've got to love. And in doing that, what's happening is we're helping people with these deepest needs that I mentioned. Acceptance, belonging, significance. So I've got four applications for you this morning. I'm sure there's tons of others, but here's four that came to me that may help a wee bit. Number one, cultivate the look of love. Now, I know there's a song, the look of love was in, you know, some of you know what I mean. Um, dig Dig that out on Valentine's night. Yeah, okay. But, you know, anybody remember the story of the rich young ruler in the Bible? Uh, Jesus is actually quite blunt with a guy, but he had to be. But it says there in, in Matthew, in uh, Luke's version, Jesus looked at the man and agapeed him. Now, Wayne's been talking about agape love. It actually literally says, if you look at the, the Greek, Jesus looked at him and agapeed him. So this is a look of incredible love that Jesus had for him. And we've got to cultivate that look. So when, when we're looking at people, we're looking with the eyes of Jesus. We're looking with the eyes of love. It's a look of love. So cultivate the look of love. And for, for us, for me, it comes from a grateful heart. A grateful heart. It comes from knowing the love of God, experiencing it. So let's cultivate it. Let's be known as a church where these people have the look of love. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Steve agrees with me. Yeah. Yes, Andrew. You all know, listen, this will go much quicker if you just agree. Smile. Because <laughs> otherwise I have to keep saying it till you nod. And, yeah? So, so shall, we, shall we try and be these people? Yes, sir. Great. Okay. So, number one, cultivate the look of love. Number two, always remember, if you're living to love, that the way of love brings hope Never humiliation. Never humiliation. Jesus didn't get that woman to speak out publicly to humiliate her. It was him expressing love because he wanted her to be free. He wanted her to be accepted. He wanted her to be restored. And because she had this thing and she was known for it, it had to be done publicly so there would then be public acceptance. Yeah? In the Matthew story, the Pharisees looked at the people. It says they despised them. They despised them. They just saw sinners. But Jesus saw people. Here's my challenge to you this morning. What do you see when you look at somebody? Do you see 
hope they're not my friend. I hope they don't come over. I don't want to have anything to do with them. What would Jesus look at? He'd just see a person that needs God, a person created in the image of God who needs salvation. So always bring hope. We never bring humiliation. Thirdly, um, the way of love means we must be prepared to be the bridge to life for people. So be a bridge, even for the most unlikely people. You know people in your life, you think, they're never going to become a Christian. I've got people in my life like that. I've got other people where I'm praying and say, Lord, come on, it's been years, I'm fed up praying for them. Will you just get them saved? Come on. And uh, that's good to go on. But here's the thing today. Matthew's story shows us even the most unlikely people can be helped. If Jesus is going along and he's got all these crowds following him and everyone's hanging on his every word, he stops and goes to an outcast. Why would he do that? There's easier people here. But they can be saved too. Matthew has got money. He's got position. He's got loads of money. But something was missing inside. He didn't belong. And he wanted to. So when Jesus looked and called Matthew, he had to choose. And every one of us had to choose at one time. And everyone we meet will have to choose. Are you going to be honest? Admit you've got a need? Or are you going to pretend it's all right? Praise God, Matthew admitted the need. He answered the call. So Jesus was then able to become a bridge to the Father for him. And that's what we've got to do. And sometimes it's hard because... We're, not, we're British. We don't like speaking to people. We don't like opening ourselves up like that. We don't like being vulnerable. Other times you do it through gritty teeth. I think I've told you before about a story. One time, Key and I were admitted, were in, admitted, invited. <laughs> it could, could be. We were invited to 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 a dinner. And we thought, this is really nice. But then when we got there, we discovered that we were going to be what I call the stooge Christians, that somebody wanted somebody to be saved. So we had to sit either side of them and with their incredible charisma and personality and grace and love, tell them all about Jesus and they'd be miraculously converted that night. So we found that out and I was not a happy camper. I was not happy. And the guy I was put next to, he didn't want to be there either. He was an unsaved guy. He, he, he just didn't want to do it. It was a setup. He knew it and I knew it. And uh, he was hard work. He was just such hard work. And to be honest, I really wasn't interested. I was fuming inside. But we had a glass or two of lemonade or something. And um, we just started chatting. But of course, at the end of the night, um, we, we went home. And I said to Kia, that was just awful. That was just terrible. And then we forgot all about it. It must have been five or ten years later, I was at a Christian conference or something, and a bloke came bounding up to me and says, Hi, do you remember me? I said, No. <laughs> Sorry. And he says, Me, I sat beside you at that dinner. He said, What you said changed my life. I became a Christian a couple of years later, and now I'm leading a home group and I'm doing this, that, and next thing for Jesus. And it was all because of that night. I felt about that high. You know how sometimes you just wish there was a big hole you could go into and hide? But that was it. But it taught me a lesson there. Even if you do it through gritty teeth, God can use that. 
God can still use it. Yeah? So that was actually worth it. But that's the way of love. Even if you don't feel like it, just do it. Joyce Meyer says, if you're scared, do it scared. I say, if you don't want to do it, do it anyway. Same thing. See, people, loads of people are hungry for something, but they find it very hard to admit their need. They find it very hard. They put a brave face on. They put this, this front on. Everything's all right with me because I'm in control. But deep down, they might well feel unworthy. They might well feel not good enough. They might well feel they're the impossible case. Well, good news today. The impossible cases can come. Matthew came. And of course, it doesn't matter how they come, what their motives are. If you read the first few chapters of Mark, you'll see lots of examples. One, chapter 1, verse 32, they brought people to Jesus and he healed them all. Matthew was called by Jesus. The leper came looking for Jesus. The woman with the, with the blood came looking for Jesus. It's, people come in all different ways. It doesn't matter how they come. The point is, just, just, just let them come. And then we help them connect with God. We're just a bridge. Just a bridge. You're not the most important thing. He's the most important thing. But you're just a bridge. So that's a long way of saying my third, my third um, application is in the way of love is be a bridge for Jesus. And the fourth one I've got there, you see, is created to care. Wayne said last week that love, real love, this agape love, the love of God that, that fills us, it actually requires action. You can't see a need and not do something about it. You can't do it, see something and not care because something goes off inside you. And uh, well, you know, from the scripture, you know, Jesus says to Peter three times, he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord. Yeah, you know I do. He said, well, go and feed my sheep. See, the love required an action. And that's the same for us. Can I say also, it's really important that we show care, we show love when nobody's looking. They're the big times. It's all very well when there's loads of people there, but when it's just you, you show your care by doing it. And we're demonstrating God's love. I used to preach regularly on Isaiah 61 and verse 3. We're a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is one way we display his splendor by loving others. And the funny thing is, as you do it, as you do it, the good news is you become like him. Forgive me for another Eric Little quote, but I thought this was just great. You will know as much of God as you are willing to put into practice. You will know as much of God as you're willing to put into practice. How, how profound is that? I think that's terrific. The other thing I would just say, you know, under this heading of being created to care, we've got to honour people, and they have a right to refuse. At the dinner, it seems nobody other than Matthew responded. Can you, all the outreach meals we've had, all the alpha suppers and things, we're looking for people to respond. Um, he's the Lord Jesus Christ himself at dinner, and you think they'd be on their knees all getting saved, but no. No. And Jesus didn't push them. He respected the dignity of each individual. Everybody needs Jesus, but not everyone's receptive at that particular time when you're involved. 
People have a right to refuse, but the way of love just means we've got to keep on caring. We've got to keep on loving. We've got to keep on sharing. And as we do, we become more and more like our God. That's what Eric Little says. We are created to care. And listen, we're not starting from ground zero in this church. William was talking last week about examples of incredible love shown by people in this church. Can I add to what you said? Because last weekend, we had a wedding here, and we had, we had a dozen people from this church gave up a whole chunk of their Saturday to come and serve some people they'd never met. Who would do that? In what other culture would you see that? This is church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. I think it's fantastic. A dozen people, could be more, I don't know, but people were here serving at this wedding, making guests comfortable, joining in the worship, being there, bringing the presence of Christ, giving them tea and coffee. It's like Jesus washing their feet. That's what we were doing. We were washing feet. And this is for people they didn't even know. They'd never met. How good is that? That's just lovely. So well done, PCF. We're not actually at the start. So, the way of love. Mention was made last week of the, the great commandment, you know. Situation is Jesus is asked, trying, they're trying to trap him again. He said, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depends on these two. Everything depends on these two. Everything hinges on it. And uh, you, you, I'm not going to read it, you know, you know that. Here's the problem. There's problems here in two ways. Some of us don't love the Lord or don't love the Lord the way we used to. Maybe some people have never actually loved the Lord in the way that we mean like that. Well, the Bible's got an answer for you. It says that we can love because he first loved us. So look at what he's done. Look at the Bible. Look at God. Look at what Jesus did. Look at how much he loved you and how much he loves you now. Amazing. As you do that, just let your love grow. There's the first problem. The other, second problem is it says love others the way you love yourself. <laughs> Here's a problem for British people because many British people don't love themselves. Is that true? Yes. Come on, it's true. British people are very down on themselves. Nobody here, of course, because you've had solid teaching for years. But some people have deep down feelings of unworthy, of not being good enough. They don't really like themselves. They might not like how they look. They might not like their hair. They might not like their physical shape. could be anything. That's a problem. Again, the answer is, look at Jesus. If you, if you think being accepted by God and being loved by God depends on anything you're doing, you need another thing. You've got to look at Jesus. Jesus died as our representative, right? Can we all agree on that? He represented mankind, right? Okay, so our standing with God doesn't depend on us, but it depends on how good our representative is. 
How perfect was his disobedience? His disobedience? His obedience. How perfect was his how perfect was his obedience? How great was his sacrifice? How, how well did he behave? How well did he love? How well did he follow the way of love? And you know and I know he qualified completely. He hung on the cross and said, It's finished. The Bible tells us this was a one perfect sacrifice. So he qualifies completely, absolutely, 100%. So as our representative, so guess what? We qualify too. And that's the end of it. That's the end of it. So look to him and just know that you qualify. The thing is, we've just got to start. We're just going to make a start. If you're going to live to love, you're going to just make a start somewhere. There's a story I saw of... um, two kids, one, one was an 11-year-old girl. That can be a pretty awkward age for girls, can't it? The sort of 1 to 25 is usually the worst, but <laughs> 11. Um, uh, and she had an 8-year-old, eight-year-old brother, and they fought over the slightest thing. They just fought and fought and fought. So their father was really surprised when the girl made a birthday card for her brother's birthday And in the card she wrote this. She says, listen to this. She says, happy birthday to my nine-year-old brother. I'm so glad to have a brother to love. So God gave me you. P.S. Don't you dare read this out loud or I'll twist your head off. (laughs) She's got a wee bit to go. But you know what? She made a start. She made a start. I want to encourage you today. If if you're already doing this, keep going. Work work at it. If you haven't, make a start with those you live with and those in this church. Maybe Karen, if the the band could come up please. I hope today's put some some legs on what we've been talking about because I'm I'm trying to be practical as to how how we actually do this thing. Um, But something you really need to know is this. As you, as you live to love, as you follow the way of love, as you give your love away, I can promise you one thing. God's love will fill you even more. How do I know that? Luke six thirty-eight. Give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, flowing over. So as you give your love away, God will give you more and more and more and keep going. That's the word of God. That's a promise. So, when you expect to sense the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I couldn't believe it when Karen started off with that song, the joy of the Lord is my strength, because that's what I'm finishing with. I was, when I was studying this one time, I read one commentator saying this, this joy of the Lord is knowing you walk under the smile of God's approval as you share his love. It's knowing you walk under the smile of God's approval. Just knowing that everything's all right, just knowing you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. How good is that? 
And that, and that, that sense of joy in God that comes that becomes your strength and gets you through things. I mentioned Eric Liddell um, earlier. And he, he said, um, he, he actually said, God has made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. If you stand back a wee bit from that, God has made me fast. When I run, I feel his pleasure. What's he saying? I think he's, one of the things he's saying is, when I do what he's made me to do, then I'll feel his pleasure. I'll just know it. I'll just walk it. I'll just live in it. And I think that's the same for us. As we start to give our love away, as we start to follow the way of love, I think we can expect to feel God's pleasure. We can expect to just ask him for it. As we do what we are called to do, we can follow the way of love. That's my prayer for everybody here today. Amen. Well, I hope that's helped put some legs on it. We, um, I've asked Karen if she can do that song again, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength. So as, as we sing that, and I know it's quite wide-ranging words in it, but can you just be thinking, the joy of the Lord, the joy of knowing that I can do what he's called me to do, and I just feel his pleasure, just walking in his perfect will. That sense. So in some of you are going around feeling guilty, you've let God down. You failed in this area. You've done that. But here's a way to just know you're in these good books. Sense the Father's pleasure. Amen. Amen. So if you're able to stand, please would you stand and we can we can honour the God, honour the Lord now with a song.